0: Hi guys, welcome back to the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club podcast. We have been away for a few weeks. You have. I have I've been have been away.
1: here. You've been a holidaying in or some other? I've been competing. You've been competing? Yeah. I suppose that is a power lifters holiday, competition and all that. I had a wedding to go to as well. Oh, well that's less important, isn't it? That's less Far important less than important. collecting medals. Yeah, I had who, to get some bling. Whose wedding was it? Was it family or friends?
0: It was actually a student of mine. Um, someone who trains a screamer mm-hmm. with me. Oh, okay It was his wedding We've been friends for years though And yeah, it was pretty awesome Yeah, had a really good time Good day
1: Did you do any screamer fighting at the wedding? Was there any brawls or anything? No brawls, just a lot of drinking Okay
0: a bit of dancing
1: Right Lots of cake Isn't it always the chaps with something to prove That always start the fights?
0: I mean, there may have been a few dance-offs There may have been a few dance-offs on the dance
1: floor. Dance-offs, okay. (laughs) That sounds horrendous. Let's move on. (laughs) So, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about the
0: posterior chain.
1: The posterior chain. So,
0: it's the kinetic chain of muscles from your lower back all the way down to your knee. So, it's your hamstrings, your glutes, and your spinal erectors, primarily.
1: So, basic anatomy... People will often find that they have a front and they have a back. There's also a side, the right-hand side and the left-hand side, okay? Genius. Yeah, we're talking about the back, the posterior, which basically means back. So in particular, because we're talking about fitness and lifting and stuff, we're going to be talking about muscles in the back of the... Your body, not just the back. So this isn't just like the torso, you know. This means legs as well, people. Legs. Yes, legs also have a back is not all quads. Mm-hmm. Quad dominance. That's a big thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, maybe we can get into that a bit okay. as well. Yeah. What do
1: you want to go? Who do you want to go after first? Or what do you, <laughs> what do you want to go <laughs> after first?
0: Should we, should we start from the hamstrings and work our way up?
1: Okay, so we'll leave what? The calves till what? Don't train calves, do you? No, never. Not?
0: I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> I always say I'm gonna train calves and then I get to the end of my workout and I have calf raises like planned and they just it never happens. Okay. Goodbye calves.
1: Well in true lifting club style, we'll start talking about the posterior chain. We'll go off on a tangent for a little bit. We'll work from the middle up and then we'll go back down again if we've got time at the end and I'll give you my super secret calf workout. Yeah, actually,
0: your calf workout is really good. I know. It's the only thing that my calf's ever, <laughs> ever responded to. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit.
1: Okay, so we'll start with the hamstrings. The hamstrings are on the back of the leg, yeah? I think so. No, basically. basically
0: yeah, they basically essentially are. Essentially, basically. Yeah. yeah. So the hamstrings are responsible. They have two purposes. It's knee flexion, so bending your heel up towards your bum and also hip extension. So basically being able to bend over and get back up again. Um, so it's made up of two heads, two parts of the hamstring. You have a shorter head and a longer head. So the shorter head, knee flexion, you do through movements such as hamstring curls and you know things of that nature. Whereas the longer head, you're looking at heavy hip hinges like RDLs, good mornings, back extensions.
1: Basically, hamstrings are incredibly important. There's also a lot of injuries that tend to happen with hamstrings in sports, rugby, football, that kind of thing. It's often hamstring injuries. There was a famous coach, Louis Simmons, that I believe said, if a player has a hamstring injury, then it needs to be blamed on the strength coach and not the athlete because you should not get a hamstring injury. I watched this documentary about football. Mm. And for our American friends, that's called soccer over where you are, right? Uh,
0: and in Australia.
1: And in Australia.
0: Yeah, soccer as well. Oh, yuck. I um,
1: so, basically, I've lost my trailer port now, <laughs> but basically, I was surprised, given that it's very leg-dominant, the lack of actual strength training that there is with regards to football or soccer. It very much surprises me. Yeah. But anyway.
0: I think, like... Even in bodybuilding in general, I remember when I was following like a bodybuilding quote unquote routine. and um, the only exercise I had for hamstrings was leg curls at the mm. end of a leg day. Yeah, just yeah, pop yeah. In some. Accessory. Leg curls. Yeah, yeah and that was it. And actually the hamstrings are incredibly strong. They're a really thick, big muscle on the back of the leg. They can handle a ton of weight and a ton of volume. Um, so my hamstrings didn't really grow that much from doing those leg curls. In fact, leg curls, in terms of building muscle, never really did much for me. I I usually just do them for knee health. Mm. Um, But like heavy hip hinges, so deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, good mornings, that's where the money was for me. That really thickened up the the hamstrings and, and the glutes and the spinal rectus as well as an added benefit.
1: So if you're talking symmetry, it's bodybuilding is a lot about symmetry and size and stuff like that. So if you did a lot of quad dominant stuff, you're going to have like what I've got, which is slightly bigger quads than any other part of my leg, which looks a little bit weird. Mm. Um, so hamstrings are going to add a little bit of thickness and size to the backs of your legs. But it is really important from overall fitness and health and stuff like that in general anyway. Now, nowadays, because of the sort of culture that we live in in the west we do a lot of sitting down and when you sit down your hamstrings are essentially going to be getting tighter and tighter and tighter and weaker and weaker and weaker because they're essentially you know uh not being used at all atrophy atrophy yeah yeah so you'll find that your quads and your hamstrings are often weak but in particular what i find is because of the way people sit your hamstrings tend to get shortened so your flexibility is really 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 bad that's why so many people i get to do russian deadlifts rdls Mm -hmm. they're really good for the hamstrings everyone always really really feels them and i'm very surprised if i can get anyone to go further down than their knee with the barbell or the dumbbells without actually bending their knee Mm. um but yeah
0: yeah, I mean, the RDL for me is probably my favorite hamstring exercise. Um, it's a staple in all of my routines. Does't matter what sort of training block I'm doing, whether I'm peaking or I'm trying to like do an accumulation phase, so lots of volume, like weights. the RDL is always in there. And actually any time that I've taken it out in place of another exercise, I find that not only do my hamstrings weaken on the actual deadlift, but I find that my lower back weakens as well. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those movements that have like tons of like bang for your buck um, attributes building at the same time. I mean, lots of different things are going on there when you're doing an RDL. Your glutes will thicken up, so you get stronger glutes, which will help with like big compound lifts and sports as well. Um, but yeah, the hamstring just gets worked like like crazy. And then the spinal rectus, I just feel like my lower back is bulletproof. Um,
1: so when I teach uh, deadlifting, then the accessory I give for people when they've learned deadlifting or when they get their technique down is always usually in a Russian deadlift or an RDL as the accessory for afterwards. The reason being, and I like them to tend to use the barbell as opposed to dumbbells, and it's going to be not dumbbells uh, single foot. I did them originally for on single foot, so it was one leg at a time, mm. um, which helped me. But I had issues with like mobility and stretch, the stretch and everything like that. It got me working through being able to squat and stuff like that. So I programmed that in for myself very specifically. But in general, I tend to find that RDL is the best thing. Now, the good thing about it is that it is going to work your hamstrings. It is you are really going to be able to feel it working as well. But it also, like you said, works the glutes and it works your lower back. Mm. Now, the important thing as well is it gets you using the correct posture. So when you get into the, the feeling of the motion and everything like that, I get people to practice in the mirror. You can see how people's backs start to change mm. in terms of the shape and stuff like that after having done them. And because you're using a barbell is going to carry over a lot to the your deadlifting. So your deadlifting technique usually improves. Not just because you're obviously going to be stronger, but it's actually using and getting your back into that position of not bending over and not putting too much strain on the lower back and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it is a great one for practice. Obviously The stretching aspect is underrated as well because you are stretching when you're doing it. That's where you're going to feel a lot. So people that do need to work on, you know, hamstring flexibility, you can combine practicing your deadlift technique or improving your deadlift technique as well as strength training for your lower back, your glutes and your hamstrings as well as stretching out your hamstrings. I mean... You don't get that in hot yoga, do you? <laughs> Man, if you ever walked past a hot yoga
0: class, it fucking stinks.
1: Mm. Well, so, it would do, wouldn't it?
0: So bad. That's what's kept me away from it. <laughs> so with, with the um, RDLs, Liam mentioned about the way to stretch. And there's a couple things going on with the Romanian deadlift there. Um, so there's a thing called stretch mediated hypertrophy and um, say so building muscle through a heavy weighted stretching movement, taking a movement for its full range of motion. And that's one of the reasons why I think the RDL is so good for building the hamstrings is because it really stretches out the hamstring and then it shortens the hamstring as well. Um, so you get this full range of motion all this tension going on the hamstring, which is just fantastic. But also when you start building up your RDL to some pretty impressive numbers, because you're holding the weight in your hands, your upper back is also going to get a very good workout. Like my upper back is always very sore after deadlifts, but yeah, really sore after RDLs because you're just holding on to that weight for a period of time. So it's pulling down on your traps. It's pulling down on your rhomboids. Fantastic movement for building the upper back too.
1: I have a yoga teacher Uh, that I'm training in the moment who obviously is quite flexible and uh, we were doing some RDLs and stuff like that and I was talking about weighted stretches and stuff like that. She tried it and then I saw by the look on her face it was the immediate look that gave me the sense of she thought damn I'm out of a fucking job then. (laughs) Point scored for the gym bros. I mean you can get stronger and train with weights and stretch all at the same time.
0: Jim Bros, one.
1: Yoga Karen, zero. zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. But yeah, go on, what are you going to say?
1: I was going to say, um, I have found that some people struggle to do the RDL in terms of mastering the technique. So it is a feeling. I would always go by the feeling you really need to feel the hamstrings um, working through it. Now, What I like to do is I like to get people to train with a couple of different weights because like a lot of things, ab abdominal curls uh, are very similar as well. If you're doing those weighted with a cable machine, you need to make sure that the weight isn't so light that you're not really doing anything. But you also don't want it to be so heavy that all of the other muscles jump in and try to stop you from using your hamstrings or the muscles that are weak so it's that nice in-between ground so I was doing it with a lady yesterday and by doing it I mean doing RDLs (laughs) (laughs) obviously (laughs) um last night we were doing RDLs in the gym and it's first time she's done them and I've noticed that she needs a little bit of improvement with some hamstring strength she's fairly flexible But we got three different weights and I got her to pick which weight do you feel is the best weight to use. So as it turned out, it was the heavier weight that we gave her, which was just 20 kilos. But, you know, she is older later in her 70s. Yeah. So that's fairly good for someone that's just starting. Mm. Um, And we warmed up to it. But with another person who I also happened to train on the same day, that's a guy, he's in his 20s. And he just can't work out how to not bend his back. Mm -hmm. So we tried doing lots of different forms of RDLs. Uh, We did dumbbells, we did barbell, we did one-legged, all that kind of thing. I did the trick where I get them to stand against the door. Yeah, that's a good one. And then push your bum back so Mm -hmm. that they get used to pushing their bum back and then making them do the same thing in the mirror so they can physically see what it looks like in terms of what position their back should be in. Same as well works well for the pendulay row. But with him, the, the thing we needed to do was I needed to get him to go on the back extension machine, which is what they used to call a hyperextension machine, which we're not allowed to call it that anymore. Um, the back extension machine, just because of that leaning forwards on the back extension machine, pumps a little bit of blood there, but it stretches out his lower back, so it's not tight. And he does a lot of, used to do a lot of swimming, but he does a lot of sitting down now all day long. Uh, I think is probably the position that is actually in his chair is not like a normal person sat up. I think that he kind of slumps down a little bit Mm. and there's a very unusual kind of position his lower back always seems to go in, which I've noticed. So with that, it was a case of putting the hyperextension machine on first as a kind of warm-up for the RDLs. As soon as we did that, it started to all flow in a lot better.
0: Yeah, that's good because the RDL is a very tricky movement to master. It looks simple, but it's actually quite hard because you don't want to just bend over because that would be spinal flexion and that's how you visit Snap City. So you want to be hinging at the hip by driving your bum back. So a nice cue that I like to use because you mentioned the door cue is trying Backing to sit... up on a giant cot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that gets you to where you need to be. But yeah, it's like trying to sit down on a chair without bending your legs. So you're pushing your bum back whilst mm-hmm. keeping your chest quite high. Yeah, And that initiates the hip hinge. So it shifts all the weight to the glutes and the hamstring as opposed to the lower back if you just bent over with spinal flexion.
1: Why do you keep your chest high?
0: I keep my chest high to stop my shoulders from collapsing forward. No, that's what I do. No,
1: it's so that they can reach around and play with your nipples. (laughs) Play with your nipples at the same time. I knew you were gonna say (laughs) that.
0: Yeah, so I I keep my chest high, and another cue that I like to use is to lock my elbows, kind Mm -hmm. of like in towards my side, because this flexes my lats and keeps my shoulders packed, and therefore, because one thing you don't want to do is you want to you don't want to start initiating the hip hinge and then lose tightness in your upper back and in your shoulders round forward because then that hip hinge will quickly become mm-hmm. spinal flexion. Mm. And that's how people get injured.
1: So the general cue I use is if you take a jump wherever your feet land, naturally where you're going to feel strongest and most stable, get the barbell, hold the barbell, important. Usually like a double overhand grip. Then you're going to bend your knees ever so slightly So just unlocking the knees. Then you're going to push your bum back ever so slightly. And then just normally allow the barbell to just free, go wherever it wants. So like your arms are like a rope. Mm. Then what you're going to do is you are going to pull your shoulders back a tiny little bit ever so slightly so that you're being conscious that you're not letting your shoulder blades droop forwards. And then you're just going to allow the bar to go down. So you're just going to hinge forwards very slowly. And then at the bottom where you feel the stretch in your hamstrings, pause, one, two, three, and then hip thrust up I normally go for. Yeah. Because otherwise people you can see they jerk with the the back as opposed to thinking, okay, I'm firing with the glutes and the hips essentially. That's there it. you go. all you need to know.
0: That, that's a really good cue in general as well, is that sort of hip throw smashing. Because like when you're doing a heavy deadlift and you get to like a sticking point, you really want to focus on driving your hips in towards the bar mm. in order to lock it out. And that's another good thing about RDLs as well is because um, any time I've taken them out of my routine, I've had trouble locking out heavy weights in my deadlift. But any time they're in my routine, as soon as I hit that sticking point, I just push through it. So they are really good assistance movement and similar movements to rdls um you've got like good mornings also mm-hmm. very good but i don't think it's as good as the rdl due to like low capacity but it is mm. still very good all rdl variations are good variations but there's something special about the barbell romanian deadlift just because of the low capacity that you can load onto it dumbbells you're limited the one-legged rdl you're kind of limited but the barbell is uh, king in my opinion
1: I like to use the one-legged um, RDL more as like a fitness test yeah. so as to see how people move. Because again, whenever you get someone to do something one-legged or one-armed, comparing the left side to the right side will show you a lot. And that's one of those things is I might get people to train it a little bit like Bulgarian split squats. I've never seen those as a really a specific strength building exercise. It's mainly I've I've seen a problem with your technique and your form. So I'm putting these in both as punishment and also (laughs) to correct the slight flaw. Yeah. Now, we talked about the uh, back extension machine, hyper extension machine whatever you want to call that. Obviously, we know all about the reverse hyperextension machine, so we don't need to go into that because that is probably one of the best machines that you can get for helping with the lower back. Now, one of the most common things is actually lower back pain and lower back problems for people. And I don't find that a lot of people with issues with their lower back, particularly people that are a little, let's say, bigger, Mm. so fat, Mm. um, they're not going to be able to do... A back extension they just can't manage it so some of the things which you'd recommend for lower back if someone's got a lower back issue when they're just starting with the gym yeah and then we could possibly go into injuries because again hamstrings are and glutes and lower back are all kind of related Mm. to a certain extent so when there's a weakness with one there's probably a weakness with all three at least i see
0: yeah Very true. So I had a weakness in my lower back for years and it's because I treated it like it's made of glass. I avoided the deadlifts. I avoided heavy squats. And it actually... I wasn't protecting myself like I think I was. It actually made things worse in the long run. And I kept on twanging it. It was only when I got strong at these sort of movements where I stopped getting lower back problems. Um, So a piece of advice, for me at least, is when people are starting out, if they do have lower back issues... Is don't avoid these movements and maybe adjust the movement. Like for example, if you can't get into a full barbell deadlift position, start with a high handle hex because that way you're working the deadlift movement pattern. Your lower back is getting a good stimulus, but you're not in any sort of um, any sort of dangerous position if you haven't got your form completely sound. Okay, so the high handle hex will keep you safe even if your form's a little bit sloppy. You're not going to be compromised at all. And then as your lower back gets stronger, you can see about dropping the height even more. Um, So you can get down to like a low handle hex and then move on to like a barbell deadlift. Throw in some Romanians as well. Um, But back extension for like general back health is fantastic. The the not allowed to call it back extension now. What? Why is that? No, hyperextension you can't call it because
1: people aren't supposed to hyperextend. So they say, well, you shouldn't call it a hyperextension machine if they're not supposed to hyperextend. It's like, okay, shut the fuck up, I really, Yeah, (laughs) fair enough. It's nerds for you. It
0: is, it is. But yeah, I really like the the back extension uh, just to pump blood into that area. Mm. And also it's a pure hip hinge movement which is again fantastic for the hamstrings for the glutes and just I think for me it's probably been the best exercise for pumping blood into that area to keep it bulletproof <laughs> Sorry guys my cat's running
1: <laughs> Okay so you play with your pussy it's it very f- it's very furry <laughs> um so basically, the thing is, we can, if you do have a uh, back pain, particular, uh, you know, lower back pain is what we're essentially talking about today, it's very difficult for us to give you very specific advice. We can't really do that. We can give you some ideas and things to talk about uh, or to think about and go away and research, but without actually seeing how you move and talking to you it's very difficult. Normally, when I start to have someone that comes in, pretty much almost everyone of general demographics, so people that aren't athletes and don't train. Basically, Joe blogs and Jane blogs on the street, when they come in for a PT session for the first time, a lot of them always go on about back pain. They've got lower back pain and stuff. Most of that comes from either, you know, potentially being overweight. There's quite a lot of weight on the front, so it pulls you forwards. Mm. Uh, Big-breasted women also have a lot of issues with back pain a lot of the time. because of the difference in the, you know, counterbalancing and that weight on the front. And people, you know, that do a lot of office jobs and stuff like that, they're going to struggle with it. So the first thing I do is to get rid of every fucking machine that (laughs) they try to use. So we're not using the low-row machine anymore. I'll put you on the cable low-row machine. And you may think, well, it's basically the same but it's not, because the difference is with the normal low row machine, I'm actually bracing against a pad. Mm-hmm. Whereas the normal cable low row machine, I have to support my own weight and stay upright. Mm-hmm. So watching someone be able to do that, that will, over a certain amount of time, if they have quite bad back pain, that stability of just keeping them in an upright position with a straight back, is essentially gonna start getting their lower back to stabilize. So you build up a little bit of strength that way. I'm not gonna stick them straight on a hyperextension machine or potentially get them to do an RDL if I don't think they're up to it. But things like that will then be stability. We're thinking about trying to get them to do as many exercises as they can That means that they have to use their lower backs to stabilize as opposed to avoid it completely, which is what a lot of people do. They'll start to think, oh, I've got lower back pain. I'll use a machine that I can brace against a pad or I'll use a machine that's got a nice chair or something like that.
0: Again, that was my problem for many Mm. years.
1: Box squats are a good one because if you're going to start squatting, we have to be a little bit careful. So we'll start you off on a higher box and we'll start getting you to reach more and more depth, more lower. Um... Another one I like actually is the what some people call a T-bar row. I call it a landmine row because we don't have a T-bar attachment for it. Mm. So the landmine attachment, that's good because that way you can do that a little bit more upright. The more over you are, the more bended forwards you are, then the more strain that's essentially going to put potentially on your back. So what you can do is start off doing a landmine row a little bit more upright And then start transitioning over the weeks or months to being able to do it where you're parallel with the floor. When you can do that, a landmine row parallel with the floor, with a bit of weight for three sets of ten or something, then you're going to have no problem starting to actually introduce specific lower back training, which that's what... The, the disconnect is for a lot of people. It's like we're not going to start with lower back training if you really do have a genuine injury or there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. We're just going to see how your lower back fares with just stabilizing your weight. So that's something that I'd suggest you know people have a little think about.
0: Yeah, and then just kind of building up to those harder variations over time. Like, for example, with the back extension, you can start with your body weight. And then you can move to holding a weight in your hands. And then eventually, if you want to be really, really ninja and really make it difficult, you can put a barbell on your back so it sits on your traps, on the trap shelf. And then you can start doing hyperextension with the weight on your back. Mm. So it's kind of like a good morning, but on the back extension. Now, that's really going to tax your spinal rectus, again, your glutes, your hamstrings. But, you know, you need to build up to quite an advanced sort of level of strength before you start tackling those sort of movements but these can all be progressed over time and because they are all sort of like variations of that hip extension movement pattern again your hamstrings your glutes your lower back are all gonna get involved especially the lower back which is good because you don't want to avoid lower back training like i did
1: yeah a lot of accessory movements and accessory patterns exercises that go in a program are basically there to design and chosen because an area of weakness has been identified that you need more work on or more specific work on. So, again, with the deadlift day, I do them after the deadlift day myself. And that's where I often program them because people already have the movement pattern in there. Mm. A lot of people say, well, it's too much volume, it's loads of volume. It's like, well, you're doing your deadlifts first. If you're new, then you're not going to be doing them super heavy. So that's going to be fairly light so that you can get the technique down. Yeah. And with this sort of thing, you'll be talking about a, a traditional hypertrophy kind of rep range. So you're talking normally, I say, between 8 reps and 15 reps for the RDLs. I don't normally do them less than that because it's normally about getting that flow, getting that flow, making sure that the movement pattern's perfect on every single rep. It's the closest thing to bodybuilding training that I really get to, you know, it's not the sort of thing I'd usually preach, but you know.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So what were your thoughts on the hamstring curl then? Do you think it's useful or is it overrated? I
1: always feel the hamstring curl, but I also feel that I always should do it, Mm. but again it's... I I've always put the hamstring curl and the leg extension machines in as purely just oh I need to make up some volume, mm-hmm. so it's like oh I've got space in a program here, I know that they're going to make up leg volume to mm-hmm. a certain extent, which I am still doing. I am still doing it at the moment. I've got so I do four. I'm doing four days a week, upper lower upper lower. So Tuesday would be a lower and that squats, front squats, box squats and extension leg extension machine on friday that is deadlifts rdls hyper extensions and leg curl so it's kind of like front back yeah to a certain extent
0: one's more quad dominant one's yeah more, one's a little bit yeah.
1: more of a quad dominant day than the than the other one um but that works quite well for me mm-hmm. i would suggest that is one of those things that is purely of trying to get your volume in
0: I agree so don't rely on the leg curl to build up your hamstrings guys by itself Uh, that's a mistake I made again when I first got into bodybuilding it's it's really crap advice make sure you do your heavy hinge movement Mm. patterns so your deadlifts deadlift variations
1: well that's it for the regular edition of the Bristol and Bath lifting club we will go and talk about more technical stuff and super secrets of the PT world Mm. in the extended edition of this episode See you over there, guys.